You guys there? Thank you. All, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. Uh, Father, this time of season, it, it's just amazing. I just sit back and think about just how great you are as our Father. Um, to send your only son down here, Father, it's just, I, I, I'm so thankful we don't have to do that. Um, I'm so thankful you had the strength to do that. Um, and Father, I just I praise you for the, the, the victory that is this church, uh, for CWs. Uh, Father, this congregation is just one big family. I tell you, I've, I've really noticed that this week. Uh, a lot of support this week from this congregation um, in a lot of different areas. Uh, Father, I know we've got some families right now that, that are not here, um, a lot of illness, um, Got some with some, some major illness in hospitals. Uh, Father, I just lift them up to you. Father, I know you're still in the healing and miracle business. And Father, I claim victory over every one of those families, Father. And uh, claim peace over the ones that need it as well. Father, in this moment, I'm asking you to anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. You have given me a, um, you've given me a tough topic today to preach on. Uh, but Father, I have no doubt you've prepared me for it. And um, I just ask that any doubt that may try to creep in, uh, Father, that you take it and throw it into the sea and replace it, Father, with nothing but your love, um, your boldness, uh, and, and Father, your wisdom. I need that right now. Father, I ask these things in your name, and I praise you for the opportunity to even get to have that. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right, guys. We're going to continue this series again this week on what every Christian ought to know. And, and what we've learned in the past so far is a Christian's greatest problem is not Satan. A uh, Christian's greatest problem is lack of knowledge. Let's go look at Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. Now again, say it every week, Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The problem is, again, if we don't have the knowledge on how to fight him, we're not going to win. We will be destroyed with the lack of knowledge. So that's why we started this series. In the last couple of weeks, we have discussed many topics uh, that every Christian I know. I actually have a list of that that I want to pull up real quick, guys. Uh, what every Christian I know, the Bible is the true word of God, what seasons are in a Christian's life, how you should give to the church, the difference of the old and the new law, how a Christian should vote, how a Christian should pray, what water baptism is, and then what heaven and hell is like. Heal. Wow what heaven and hell is like. Yeah. So, guys, if you have any questions about this, I heard somebody say they've missed a few weeks. They were sitting down there a second ago. If you've missed a few weeks, you can go to our YouTube page, and you can pull up these sermons, and uh, you can go through those if you've got any questions on that. Today, we're going to continue this series with every Christian ought to know what the Bible says about sex. Again, this is an adult conversation. That's why we've been warning y'all for like two and a half weeks about this. We've become a sex-saturated society. Uh, TV, music, computers, cell phones, all of these things give us access to and desire for sexual sin. It's wrecking havoc on our world, guys. It's causing unplanned pregnancies, sexually transmitted diseases, 
and the destruction of countless marriages and families. First and foremost, we need to understand sex was created by heaven and not by Hollywood. It was God's idea and God's creation. I want to go look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. For everything created by God is good. I think we can all agree on that, correct? I'm not ashamed, and I said this a few months, it was a few months back, I got on this topic for just a second. And then whenever we decided to get, let everybody fill out a note card of what they wanted us to preach on for this series, we had a lot of questions about sex. And it, I'm not going to lie, it kind of surprised me. Um, but I'm not going to be ashamed to talk about it on this stage. God created it. Everything he created is good. The problem is, is Satan has a tendency of taking what God has made for good and making it bad. And that's what's happened in our world, obviously. And, and I, I'm really struggling with, I think a big reason why you guys were asking questions is because the church didn't teach it on it. I truly believe the church is, is a little afraid to go down that route. I'm going to be honest with you. When God put it on my heart to preach this, I didn't even second guess it. Especially after I got some statistics that I'm going to share with you guys today. We're going to continue on. When it comes to sexual sin, a lot of us have regrets because of bad decisions from our past. Uh, because of this sin, some of you have probably even been used, abused, and thrown away when playtime was over. Truth is, the majority of Christians have been affected by this sin that has been around since Genesis chapter 6 when God flooded the earth. Sex is the most natural area to sin in, guys. I need you to grasp that right now. And the reason why is because it was birthed out of a natural God-given desire. Okay? God placed the desire inside of each of us. It is to, it is built, guys, it's built into our human makeup. One way I can describe that is our bodies, if we're thirsty, we drink. If we're hungry, we eat. If you have a desire for sex, it's a natural thing that God's given you to desire that. There's nothing wrong with this, guys. Let's talk about why God actually created sex, guys. The first reason that God actually created sex was to inaugurate the marriage covenant. I want to look at three verses. We're going to look at Genesis 2.24, Ephesians 5.31, and Matthew 19.5. Don't have to go look for it. We're going to pull it up on the screen Genesis 2.24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Ephesians 5.31, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Jesus says in Matthew 19.5, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Three times that verse has been repeated in the Bible. Take notice. It's pretty obvious, right? We talk about that a lot in this church. When you see it repeated, 
especially when Jesus is bringing it back up, you better take notice. Now, here's the thing about this verse, guys. I want you to notice something. Sex was not created for man and man. Sex was not created for woman and woman. But I need you to grasp this. Sex was not created for man and woman. Man and wife. That's who sex is created for. Husband, wife. Can we all agree on that? We'll move forward. Also notice one flesh, guys. Obviously, this means sex. I mean, that's what they're talking about here. So I need you to understand, once you have had sex with someone, in God's eyes, you have entered the marriage covenant. You're married. God doesn't need a worldly marriage paper certificate. Sex is the certificate for the covenant of God when it comes to marriage. This needs to be taught in our church, guys. And a big reason why is because 60% of Christian teenagers, 60% of Christian teenagers thinks it's okay to have sex before marriage. Christian teenagers. And let me ask you this. How many of those kids do you think just said that to appease their parents? I bet the number's higher. It's got to be taught in the church. I'm ashamed that this is really the first time that we've really honed in on it. The second reason God created sex was to procreate. We're going to look at Genesis 1.28, Genesis 9.7, and Malachi 2.15. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. Genesis 9.7, be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. And then Malachi says, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. Procreate. Guys, this is how God builds his kingdom, right? He brings two believers together. They become one flesh. They have children. They raise the children in the ways of God. And his kingdom continues. So God created sex for the marriage covenant to be united, to procreate. And then number three, the third reason, to renew and protect the marriage covenant. We're going to read 1 Corinthians 7, verses 2 through 5. But because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. The husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband, and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Guys, what this verse is saying is it's a tough world out there today, and it was tough back then. I mean, they're literally saying here, this is, this is Paul speaking, and he's saying that you, you, you need a husband, you need a wife, because the temptation is too great. It's too great. And he's telling you that this needs to be done in the way of God, in the covenant of marriage. 
Let's go look at verse 5, Nick. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. You can't handle it. If, if, if you don't have a wife or if you don't have a husband that you can be intimate with, he's saying that your self-control, you, you can't handle it. The world's too hard, guys. It's way too hard. And I said this a while back. You won't find this verse in my wife's Bible, by the way. It, it says if you both agree for a limited amount of time, you get, come closer to God. So like, you know, it's like you're almost taking a, a break from it you know, so you can draw closer together. So I just went to her Bible and tore out 1 Corinthians 7.5. Just give you all heads up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Move along. Let's go to, uh, I want to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. <laughs> Y'all don't tell her I said that. Run from sexual sin. No other, she, I promise you, if she watches this, she's going to go look to her Bible like, real quick, like see if that's actually in there. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Notice the word run. Notice that. Sexual sin is the only sin in the Bible that it tells us to run from. The Bible teaches us to stand and fight other sins and teaches us how to do those things, but it tells us to run from sexual sin. Do you know why it tells you to run? Because God knows your flesh better than you do. He knows your flesh can't handle it. Run. Literally, if it's staring you in the face, turn around and run. Flee, get away from it, stay away from it. He made us this way though, guys. He gave us lust for the opposite sex because without lust, we cannot procreate and build God's kingdom. I had a woman come to me one time, her and her husband, and uh, they were struggling with their marriage. And uh, one of the biggest things they were struggling with is, is he was wanting to have sex and she was not wanting to have sex. And, and I need y'all to understand something. It's like this verse that we just read about. You, you can't do that to each other because, again, it, 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 the lack of self-control, it's hard for you to fight the world that way. So I actually showed them that verse and talked to them about it. And, of course, that, that, that wasn't a problem for him. You know I mean? He was like, that's what I want to do, you know? But, but, she, but she didn't. So she looked at me and she said, you know, it's just all the time. He's always after me. And, and, and I want to be like, really, that's your problem? But anyway, so, so she said that. And, and then I told her, she looked at me and she said, this is what she said. She said, Micah, she said, I just, I pray that, that he loses his lust. And I looked at him, I said, you've lost your mind. If you want him to lose the lust for you, then, then that's a problem. Like, that's how God made us, ladies. Oh, I wasn't going to go here, but I am now. I really wasn't going to go here. But I told God, I said, if you, if you open the door, I'll, I'll talk about it, and, and he just opened the door. Ladies, God made men to be physical beings. We want sex. Amen, men? Amen. I was about to say, don't, don't leave me up here stranded. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. 
Ladies, y'all should be excited that, that, that men want that. We cannot procreate without God putting that lust on men. Understood? Ladies, what I'm trying to get you, all kidding aside, I'm being serious here. Sure, there's a time and a place for everything. Sure, I understand you may have a headache or whatever it may be. Okay. <laughs> However, I just I, I feel that all of you women need to understand. There's a reason why men are the way they are. God gave us that. That's a gift. Without us, we can't procreate. Are y'all following me here? Like, I'm being serious here. Like, that's just in our DNA. That's men. That's who we are. We're physical beings. Y'all are emotional beings. You put that together, it's a beautiful thing. I lost my train of thought. Yeah. <laughs> For those of y'all watching on live stream that didn't hear that, Mikey just said sex will do that to you. Yeah, shame on you, man. Uh, we, all, uh, we all need to understand, again, that lust is natural. It's not a problem. Controlling the lust is the problem, guys. That's the problem. So now I'm fixing to get there for you guys. I know you ladies are looking at me like, really? You know, I got to go home now. I'm going to listen to my husband tell me all this stuff. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of problems, and lust is a big part of the problem, okay? So the, the thing is we've got to learn to control that. So, so you ask, like, Micah, how do you control it? You attack it. Y'all are like, what? <laughs> Let me explain this to you guys. In spiritual warfare, in spiritual warfare, not just lust. I'm talking about everything, but, but we're going to talk about lust right now. You have to have a counterattack in spiritual warfare for every attack that Satan throws at you. It, it's a mind game, guys, and I need you to grasp this, okay? So... Let's say you're having a problem with lust, okay? And, and, and let's say that, 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 that if you're a female, a male walks by, or if you're a male, a female walks by, and, and it's a beautiful person, and you want to check this person out, and, and all of a sudden you can't hit, like your body, your head just goes that direction. And so here's what you need to understand. These are the things that I have taught to other men and other women that struggle with this. If you're married, okay, every other woman or every other man that you come across is your brother or your sister. So when you're looking at this girl or you're looking at this man, envision your sister or your brother. My sister's like, for real? And she's sitting over here. All kidding aside, guys, y'all can laugh, but I'm telling you, you have to think of it that way. Would you lust at your brother or sister? Come on, that's sick, right? It's spiritual warfare, guys. That's your brother and that's your sister. Every woman sitting in this room right now is my sister in Christ. That's what y'all are. Amen? Amen? Guys, you have to have this mindset constantly. Whatever it is that will take your mind off of the sin of lust, do it. It's a good thing. Take your mind off of it. Get away from it and run from it, right? Run from it. The other thing that I like to use a lot is because I see men do this sometimes is the creep factor. I don't want to be known as a creep. So men, when you're gawking at some girl, just know somebody else is watching you do it, and they're like, that's a creep. Have that mindset. Don't creep people out. What's the matter with you? You are, you are children of God. Don't do that. Don't do it. You're setting an example for the entire church. Seriously. 
You know, that's what, let's say you've got a leader at the church and he's gawking at some girl. I mean, think about it. And somebody else sees it. They ain't going to that church. That's a bunch of creeps up there running that church. Y'all feel me? Creep factor. Counter attack. Think about the church. That's another thing. Think about the church. That's huge, guys. I used to use this, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not recommending it, but, but it worked for me. When I was younger, and, and, I, and I, I'd, I'd lust at somebody, I'd always think about my pastor. His brother, Bo Mangum. And, and Brother Bo had a long talk with us young teenage boys one time, and, and I'll never forget him telling this. He said, every time you have that lust situation, he said, just imagine I'm standing next to you. I'm like, man, that's weird. <laughs> but it worked. But it worked. Man, I want you to really think about that. Some of my brothers sitting in here that y'all know I'm very close to you guys. If we're at the gym working out together and some young girl walks by and you're checking her out, how do you think, what do you think I'm going to react like? I'm going to slap you in the back of the head. It's exactly what I'm going to do. The biggest one for me when it comes to lust sexual sin, anything of that nature. And I teach this all the time to men that have daughters. Would you gawk at some woman if your daughter's standing next to you? You want to set that example? You want to show your daughter that it's okay to marry some man that's going to gawk at another woman? That's always what I use, and I use my wife. Man, you ain't going to gawk at another woman in front of your wife. She's going to do a lot more than slap you upside the head. Amen. Amen? Guys, what you have to use, again, you have to have a counterattack. Whatever it is that grabs your heartstrings, whatever it is that can grab you and bring you to your knees and make you understand that what you're about to look at and the, and the direction that you're about to go is only going to cause harm, use it. Use it. Doesn't matter what it is. I want to move on to the next verse, 1 Corinthians 6. We're going to look at 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God, excuse me, for God bought you with a high price. Isn't that awesome that God bought us with a high price? So you must honor God with your body. Okay, guys, I want you to notice the word temple. A temple is a house of worship, right? You can even look up the dang Greek word. It's a house of worship. So catch this. Whenever you have sex, you have church. Hang on. Hang on. Sex was meant to be a worship experience. Your body's a temple, the Holy Spirit. So what you do with your body, if in the covenant of God, is worship. Y'all feel me? I see a few head nods. Some of y'all are looking at me like I'm psycho. I need some Christian head nods because I, I want to make sure people are on the same page here. Guys, your body is given to you by God. Honor it. Honor it. 
If you don't, only destruction will follow. So men, the next time you feel the urge, instead of asking your wife if, if, if you want to go have sex, just tell her you want to go have church, okay? <laughs> Moving along. All kidding aside, guys, sex truly, <laughs> sex truly is worship, guys. Again, it is a major gift from God, and this gift connects you to your spouse like no other. Not only does it connect you physically, guys, it connects you emotionally and spiritually if done in the covenant of God. Unfortunately, we have a big problem. The problem is our culture has removed the covenant of sex but has kept and flaunted the entertainment of sex. Let's go look at 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 9 and 10. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or are greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. That's a stout verse, guys. That shakes some of us, doesn't it? Be honest with you, it ought to shake all of us because I guarantee you somewhere in this list you've done something. I want you to notice the word inherit. What Paul is saying here is these lifestyles will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I, need, I, I don't need you to misunderstand this. This is a big verse, and it shakes a lot of people, so I'm going to break this down for you. He doesn't say it stops you from entering the kingdom of God. He doesn't say that. You enter the kingdom of God based on faith from the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's how you enter the kingdom of God. But the inheritance that he's talking about, this is what we deal with on this earth. In other words, we inherit the benefits of the kingdom of God here on earth when we live righteously. So when you're living outside of sexual sin, peace, joy, love, all the fruits of the Holy Spirit that you're walking in in that righteous path come down on you, which is the inheritance of the kingdom of God. That's what it is. Again, faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ gets you to heaven. But inheritance here on earth, you have to live on that righteous path. Think about it this way, guys. Let's say I had a friend one time. His family was extremely wealthy, very, very wealthy family. And uh, he, he was given money every month as long as he made good grades and he didn't get in trouble. Give him money every month. He was given his inheritance early as long as he stayed on the righteous path. It's the same way with heaven. It's the same way with our Father. If we're on the righteous path, he will give us those inheritance, that little taste of heaven, he'll give us that on earth. Y'all follow me now with this verse? Excellent. I want you to notice this list of lifestyles mentioned here in verse 9 and 10. Uh, these things that will keep you from inheriting the kingdom of God while on earth. I want to pull up that list. One who indulges in sexual sin, worships idols, commits adultery, 
practices prostitution, practices homosexuality, steals someone who is greedy, one who is a drunkard, one who is abusive, and one who cheats people. I want y'all to pay attention to what is at the top and leads this list of ragtag idiots. Sexual sin. Do y'all think that's a coincidence? That's at the top of the list. That's the first one Paul mentions, guys. There's a reason for that. What is sexual immorality? What, what is that? What does it mean? It's anything sexual that is outside of God's marriage covenant between a husband and a wife. That's all you need to know. But we're going to talk about a few of them. Adultery. Physical or emotional, guys, it's all the same. I've counseled a lot of couples who said, well, I didn't physically cheat. Uh, you, you emotionally cheated. That destroys your spouse just as bad as the sexual side of it. In fact, sometimes more. Men and women, both of y'all, you should never be closer to any other person of the opposite sex than you are your spouse. You should never be alone with anyone of the opposite sex. I know that's hard sometimes. Work can interfere there and so forth. But guys, what I need you to understand is you need to be very aware of it. One thing I love about my brothers at this church, uh, and they, they can say this, there's a lot of y'all sitting in here right now. Um, they have not allowed me to be alone with a female in this church. Now, I need you to understand something. Honestly, y'all can trust your pastor. But, but here's what I need you to understand. It's the same thing as setting an example for the church. Let's just say that I'm sitting in the welcome center, and, and let's say we're having worship practice, and one of the females from worship practice comes in, and it's just me and her standing there. And somebody else that's thinking about visiting the church drives up in the parking lot, sees two cars, and sees the pastor with a female. And that's it. Guys, you have to be careful about this. And number one, just don't even enter it. Don't even get around it. Keep yourself away from it. The good news here at this church, I don't know if y'all know this, there's a camera in every dang room. And I love that. I love that. We don't have to worry about it at this church. For security, we have that taken care of. But men, I need you to understand something, especially men. I'm going to tell you a story about Billy Graham. Some of y'all know where I'm going. Billy Graham is my favorite evangelist of all time. Amen? Amen. Love that man. Just his voice alone. I'm reading his autobiography. And one of the things that he talks about is never being alone with a female. Guys, he is known for this. He may be in a building on an elevator by himself. And if that door opens and he's not to the level he's supposed to go yet and a female gets on, he gets off. He is guarding. He is guarding his body, his temple, y'all. Run. Flee from sexual immorality. Now, do I think that Billy Graham is going to do anything to this female on the elevator? No, I don't. I don't. But here's the thing. He knows, just like every man and every woman in here needs to understand, we don't know our flesh as well as God does. Don't even put yourself in the situation. Do you understand? Stay away from that atmosphere. Stay away from it. Even if you trust yourself, it's all about how people perceive it. And it could ruin the church. 
60% of all marriages in the United States have fallen to adultery. I want you to keep in mind that's only the ones who actually admitted it. Guarantee that number's a lot higher. A lot of those things have not been uncovered yet. I want you to notice I said yet. We'll come back to that. The problem is that's not the worst statistic. This one made me sick at my stomach. 72% of married spouses in the United States said that they would commit adultery and cheat on their spouse if they knew they could get away with it and nobody would find out. All sin is exposed, guys. Jesus said that. All sin is exposed. Doesn't matter what it is, where it came from, how it went down, whatever. It doesn't matter. As much as you think you hit it, I promise you, it will be exposed. And I want to say something to you guys right now because I need you to understand something. I know that some people have hidden sin. I know they do. I had a hidden sin for a long time. Guys, you have to confront it. You have to go after it. You have to fix it. You have to go repent. And the other thing that you have to do, and this is why it says this in our Bible, you need to share it with one of your brothers or your sisters so they can hold you accountable. Mmm, that stuck in the heart of some of y'all. I feel you. Guys, if you hold on to sin and you don't let it go, it will bring you down. You are blocking major blessings that can come your way because all you can think about is that sin in the back of your head. So I need you to understand that. It's never hidden because you know about it. For those of y'all that are struggling with that sin that you're holding on to, I'm going to tell you something that I learned a long time ago. You never face sin with fear. You face it with faith. If, if you've done something that might hurt somebody, have the faith that if you go to them out of love and with God on your side, they'll forgive you. You'd be shocked. When God takes over, anything can happen. Never face sin with fear. You always face sin with faith. Y'all remember that. Don't hold on to it. It's blocking you from growing in your walk. It's blocking you from blessing somebody else. It's blocking you from greater things. Another sexual sin is uncontrollable lust. Understood, like, you know, when, when I say uncontrollable lust, that's basically like we were talking about earlier, the creep factor, you know, undressing somebody with their eyes, you know. Guys, something that you need to do, this is something I highly recommend to all men. If you are struggling with lust, and let me tell you something, it's not just men, it's women too. I say men because that's usually who I sit down and talk to, right? Men and women both, if you're struggling with lust, number one, again, I need you to understand, it's natural. We're made that way, okay? We're made that way. God made us that way. So we would love the opposite sex. We would build his kingdom that way, right? Okay, so it's natural to have it, but you gotta control it, okay? So one thing that you can do if you're struggling with it, talk to God about it and tell him this. God, man, right now I'm struggling. The world is in front of me. It's throwing things at me, and I'm struggling with this right now. I would love for you to transfer my lust that I'm struggling with straight over to my spouse and let me lust at them with, with, with that. You, you see what I'm saying? Transfer that. Father, this lust that I've got over here that I know ain't right, this is wrong. 
take it and put it towards my spouse. He'll do it. He'll do it. Guys, you have to, again, it's okay to lust, but you got to control it. And you got to lust after the right thing, which is your spouse. And that's it. That's it. Man, y'all got quiet. <laughs> Something else that is uh, sexually immoral is pornography. Guys, pornography will consume you. It will become all that you can think about. It will affect your mood, your emotions, your feelings, makes you angry, makes you impatient. All right, I'm a Harry Potter fan, right? Who likes Harry Potter? Bunch of nerds, okay. In Harry Potter, there's this thing called a horcrux. Horcrux. And what that is, is it's, it's, it's evil. And, and, and what it is, is Voldemort put part of his soul in the Horcrux, okay? And, and, and when you're around the Horcrux, okay, like in the seventh movie, maybe sixth or seventh movie, I can't remember, but, but Harry was wearing this necklace that was a Horcrux, and he was mad all the time. It affected his emotions. It affected his feelings. That's what pornography is. It, it, it goes with you. It won't go away. It stays with you. It consumes you. Flee. Flee from it. I'm going to give you guys some stats. You ain't going to like them. People view pornography in the United States more than any other country in the world. We're a bunch of sickos. In the United States. One country under God. Problem, right? 90% of men have viewed porn at some time in their life. Some of you ladies are like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you go right ahead. 75% of women have viewed pornography at some time in their life. It's three out of four. 60% of pornography subscribers on the internet are male. Again, you ladies are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, well... If 60% are male, 40% are female. This is the worst stat, guys. 70% of our teenagers are watching porn on a daily basis. Daily. 70% of our teenagers are watching porn. The world's made this easy, guys. It's made it very easy. Satan has creeped into this country. And he's creeped in through the computer, through the cell phone, through the TV, through our schools. It's time as parents we start paying attention to these things. Check your kids' cell phones. Check their computers. Husbands and fathers, because we are the spiritual leader of the household, I want to bring something up to you guys. When you allow sexual sin into your home, you just open the door and, and, and allow the devil to walk in. 
Did y'all catch this? If you're bringing that home from work, if you're, if you're watching it in your home, Satan is running rampant in your home. You are the spiritual leader. You guard and protect your home. And if you let him in, you better kick him out. I can't tell you how many times I sit down with, with fathers and husbands and they'll tell me that everything's going wrong at their house. And I'll ask them, well, what are you bringing in? Some of y'all know I say that. What are you bringing in? And they look at, what are you talking about? What did you not leave at the door? What are the situations? What are the bad things? What are the sins? What are all these thoughts? What are you bringing into your home? Because 90% of the time, men, it's our fault. I know y'all mad at me, but listen, I'm just being honest. I'm preaching this gospel is what I'm preaching. We are the spiritual leaders of the household. If y'all want to stop 70% of the teenagers in our country from watching porn, start in your home. And start now. Protect your home. Don't allow him in your home. And if you let him in, kick his butt out. Spiritual warfare is rampant, and I feel that we have a lot of Christians, number one, that don't believe in it, and then number two, have no clue how to fight it. Every man at this church, it is my job to teach you guys how to fight spiritual warfare, how to kick the evil one out of your home. If you question it, if you're struggling with it, come talk to me or one of the leaders of this church. We'll tell you real quick how to get rid of him. Amen? We have got to have stronger fathers and stronger men in this country or that number that's 70%, it's liable to reach 100 in a couple years. I'm going to close with this, guys. In, in John chapter 4, the Pharisees bring Jesus a prostitute. They bring this prostitute to him. They say, teacher, teacher, this woman has broken the law of Moses. She used to be stoned. What I love about my, I love Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus kneels down on the ground like this, and he starts drawing in the dirt. Number one, I love it because he knew it ticked off the Pharisees. Like, Jesus, I love that, I love it. And he did it without sinning, you know what I'm saying? So he's sitting here, he's drawing on the ground. We have no idea what he drew. Doesn't matter. Honestly, this is what I'm going to tell you I think he was doing. I think he, Jesus is by far a James 1.19 man, which is slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. And I feel that in that moment he was a little upset because he was teaching. The Pharisees came, they interrupted him. So he drops down to one knee and he's drawn in the dirt and he is being quick to listen to what his father wants him to say. That's a whole other sermon. So anyway, so he's drawn in the dirt. And he finally rises up and he says... Ye without sin cast the first stone. In other words, you men, if you had never done this before, you cast the first stone. If you've never lusted at a woman, you cast the first stone. He kneels back down, he starts drawing the dirt again. Next thing he knows, it's just him and the prostitute. The prostitute, I can only imagine what she was thinking in that moment. And Jesus says, where are your accusers? Let's look and see what Jesus said to her. John chapter 8, verse 11. He said, I don't condemn you either. Go from now on and sin no more. Guys, we're all that prostitute. All of us. 
you pastor included. We all sin. We all struggle. We all struggle with lust. We all, set, we all struggle with the, the list of things that were up there just a second ago. We've all done those things. We're all that prostitute. What I love about that is that that prostitute never had a name. And, and one thing I need you all to understand is anytime there's a story about somebody in the Bible and there's not a name, insert your name and watch how well it fits. Amen. Jesus is telling us the same thing, guys. I don't condemn you either. And he's perfect. He's perfect. He could. He could condemn us, but he's not going to do it. I don't condemn you, but go sin no more. In other words, have a heart change starting now. Guys, no matter what you've done in your past, if, if, this, if sexual sin and sex and lust and all this crap, if it has destroyed things in your home, if it has destroyed your life, if it has destroyed your walk, I need you to understand it only takes a heart change. You see, God's in the cleaning business, guys. When, when, when you, when you, I got one suit, okay, one suit. So, so I, I, if, it's, if it's winter time and I wear that, because I only wear that suit about three times, four times a year, maybe weddings, funerals, that's it. So, so if I wear the suit and it's winter time and I didn't sweat it or anything, I don't have to take it to dry cleaners. It's all, it's all good. You know, I just put it back in there. But then if I do a, a, a summer wedding, which by the way, listen, I love y'all. Summer weddings are hot, man. Like fall and spring is amazing. I'm just throwing that out there. But if it's summer and I'm wearing this suit, I already sweat like a pig. And y'all seen me at the gym know that. Like I'm drenched after 10 minutes. So I got to take it to the cleaners, guys. Because it's nasty. It's nasty. God's in the cleaning business. Doesn't matter how nasty your clothes are. Doesn't matter how dirty you've gotten them. And here's the cool thing. He has a pickup business also. You ain't even got to take it to him. All you got to do is turn around and accept him, and he'll come get it. He'll clean that dirt off your clothes. Do you understand me? If you're struggling with this, if, if you have made these mistakes and it's killing you, there's no need in that. It's the whole reason Jesus Christ died on that cross. So if you're struggling with it, all I need you guys to imagine and, and, and to just think about it is just reach out to him. Tell him to come meet you. That's a great thing. He'll come meet you. And he'll clean you. Just have that heart change. Amen. Get the prayer team and the worship team to come up. Everybody else grab a pen and paper. We'll write this down. Is it hot in here to anybody? Yes. I mean, I am sweating up here. Got to take my shirt to the dry cleaners. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead, Nick. <laughs> your purity is not based on what you've done with your body. It's based on what Jesus did with his. Amen.